You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I'll invite you to turn to the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. While you're turning there, just want to remind you of a story in the Old Testament. King David had sinned greatly against God. Of course, we would remember in the matter of Bathsheba, and then terribly in the matter of her husband, Uriah. He sinned, and that he sinned more trying to cover his sin. So at some point then, God sends to David the prophet, and the prophet confronts David in his sin. So eventually David confessed his sin. By the way, he paid a great price for that sin. But as we get to chapter 51 of the book of Psalms, we would read his great confession. And in that confession, uh, he prayed that when he got things right with God, this would be the result. I hope that you've never missed this in this great psalm. He does a great job of confessing and getting right with God. But listen to what he says there in verse 13 of Psalm 51. Then, see, after I'm right with God, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. In essence, David was asking God, to clean up his heart. He did pray, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He knew then that the result of a clean heart and a right spirit would be sinners being converted. Sinners being converted. It is a fact that when the heart of the people of God is right and clean, transgressors hear the gospel and get converted. When my daughter was growing up, we had a, a missionary that came to our church often and eventually was out of our church. He would come many times on a yearly basis and preach in our missions. We call them our missions conferences. He used to say something like this, if our hearts get right, then missions giving is not a problem. And uh, he would usually preach revival messages for what we called our missions conference. You call it a missions revival, and I think that's a great thing. When we have a revival, that just leads to us doing the work of missions, wanting to be involved in the work of missions. And like David, if our hearts are clean and our spirits are right, the result is proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing sinners converted. Missions really is then about us aligning our heart with the heart of God. Getting our hearts in alignment with the heart of God. So this morning I want to approach missions by first approaching your heart and your spirit. Is your heart today in alignment with the heart of God? It does seem like in the day and age that we live in, so many Christians are only half-heartedly participating in the Christian life. And that's really not acceptable to the one who has saved us, the God whom we serve. That half-heartedness 
manifest itself than a less than interested approach to missions. Let me ask you about your approach or your idea or your thoughts about the missions program, about reaching the world with the gospel of Christ. Is it something that you're interested in? I mean, if your heart is right with God, I'm telling you, you will be interested in it. If you say, well, it's, it's, I can take it or leave it, it, it's showing us something's not right in the heart in that situation. So we're going to look at these familiar verses today, and we're going to try to seek to be sure that our hearts are in alignment with the Lord. And that'll make the matter of missions responsibilities a whole lot easier for us. So we're going to read here the first two verses, uh, these two familiar verses in Romans chapter 12. Will you stand with me to honor the reading of God's word today? Romans chapter 12, we'll look at these first two verses. Many of us have these verses memorized. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, listen to this, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The human author of the book of Romans is the Apostle Paul. If there was ever a Christian who was wholeheartedly serving God, we would believe it would be the Apostle Paul. On that day, as he was journeying to Damascus to imprison Christians, on that road he met the Lord Jesus Christ. He had an encounter with God. If you're here today and you're not saved, it's our desire today you have an encounter with God. God. The first thing that he did when he found out who the Lord was, because that's what he asked, who art thou, Lord? When Jesus said, I am Jesus, that's pretty awesome right there, the declaration that he is Lord, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. You know how he responded? He said this, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? That should be the response of anyone who gets saved. Amen. He gave his all to save us. We should want to give our all to show thanks for that wonderful salvation that he has provided for us. You know, we're not saved by works. We would all would agree with that. But the truth is we're saved unto good works. We're saved unto good works. Yeah, we can't participate in uh, saving our souls, we have to come to him in faith. But then in faith, we're to serve him, we're to work and give him our lives. Have you been saved? Do you remember what it cost the Lord Jesus Christ to save you? Do you remember where you would be and where you would be headed if it weren't for the gospel story? Are we not thankful then to be saved? So are you all in? Are you all in when it comes to missions? Let's pray. Father, help us today. Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do in our hearts and our lives today. I pray for that filling. God, I pray for some that might be here today that have not yet come to understand salvation, that they would be saved today. But God, we also see a bigger picture that, God, you want every man to be saved no matter where they are. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to have that vision for the world, God, in your call and your plan 
for reaching them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. We really should love this book of Romans. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's a book about missions. Paul begins by telling us in verse 1 of this book that he had been separated unto the gospel. He had been separated unto the gospel. He tells us in verse 9 that he served with his spirit in the gospel of the Son of God. Time out. Can I remind you what the gospel is? Some people came to my door one day knocking on the door. They walked the day coming up real slow. You know why? Because they're getting their time in. But anyway, knocking on my door. And, and, and so I asked them, I said, what's the gospel? They didn't know. We know, don't we? How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Paul said, you know, I've been separated to the gospel. I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son of God. He tells us in verse 15 of chapter 1, I am ready to preach the gospel. He tells us in verse 16, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation unto everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So he tells us, he goes on to quote in, in chapter 10 and verse 15 from the Old Testament about the beautiful feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. So when your missionaries are coming this week, look at their feet. They have beautiful feet. Well, that would be a great thing to tell them. Say, hey, listen, I just want you to tell you, your feet are beautiful. You know, just be discreet about it. I mean, don't be weird. And, but anyway, uh, that's a pretty good thing because that's what the Bible says. How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. By the way, your feet ought to be beautiful too. You ought to be preaching the gospel and bring glad tidings of good things. So I would think probably just about anything you preach from this book would have to be considered in some degree a message about missions, about the gospel. So I believe that there are some things here in Romans chapter 12 that are very important to the cause of worldwide missions. They tell us what God wants from us right now. From what God wants from us right now. You know, a lot of times we're like, I just wish I knew the will of God. Well, here's the will of God, all right? We're going to understand it, what we're going to see today. Paul in these verses is begging. That's an interesting thing. I beseech thee. He's begging uh, the saved to give their all to the Savior. You know what? I have found out if he has you, he has, he has all that belongs to you. If he has me, no, my wife has my wallet. But anyway, he has my wallet. Okay, all right. Starting to reach in there. I remembered I gave it to her. But anyway, he has it all, right? Uh, if you're saved, you, I mean, if you're married, you also know that part of it. But anyway, that's another story. We, write, we find here, first of all, that God wants a personal sacrifice from us. Listen again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice sacrifice our bodies a living sacrifice the word present means to place near or to stand by God wants us to bring our living bodies to him 
right? We're not talking just spiritually. We're talking physically. God wants us to bring our bodies to him. By the way, I can make the case for you that the Lord walks up and down in the midst of his churches. The way I understand the book of the Revelation, the Lord today is walking up and down in the midst. Of, he's here, but didn't he, didn't he promise where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So he is here today. One of the reasons, one of the ways you come into his presence is coming into the house of God. That's why it's important that you're here for Sunday school. I probably... I've just told some of you that there is such a thing called Sunday school. But anyway, there's a Sunday school that happens before this hour. There's a Sunday night service. There's a Wednesday night service. There's things called missions revivals. Hey, listen, you ought to be in place. That's part of coming into his presence. We need to see that we're to give our bodies to be used of God. For whatever he wants. That was sung for us this morning. Whatever he wants for us. If it's a sacrifice, then nothing's held back. Do you understand that? If it's a, I'm glad it's a living sacrifice. He didn't ask us to die for him. He asked us to live for him. All right? God's not looking for part of you. He wants all of you. All of your body, your soul, and your spirit. And further... He wants us to present our bodies to him in a holy condition. Before we consider that, though, I want to get to something that I think is key to this entire message today. The, the verse says, I beseech thee, what's that next word? No, I beseech thee. Okay, are you all with me? Okay, uh, are we, do we have different versions here this morning? Okay, I beseech thee, therefore. Right? That therefore? Am I right? Okay. If it's therefore, that means it's therefore a reason. I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Wow. That's, that's interesting to consider this in light of the book of Romans. It's monumental. If you don't get this, the rest of the message really means nothing. The book of Romans up to this point has talked about a plethora of the mercies of God. Um, which I would say are the things, listen to this, I would define that as the things that God has both given us and that God has taken away from us. That's the mercies of God. Things that God gives us and things that God takes away from us. For instance, in Titus 3, 5, the Bible says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy... He saved us. That's God giving us salvation by his mercy. On the other hand, we also have a verse like Lamentations 3.22 that says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. We are not consumed. That is wasted or burned up. So he took something away from us because we were on the road to perishing. But through his mercy and that salvation, he took that away from us. This exhortation of Romans 12 is addressed to brethren. Some of you thought that that word was the next word was brethren. 
Therefore, brethren, he is talking to those that are saved. Brethren, the Bible often refers to the family of God. We're saved into that family. So he's speaking to the saved, those born again, those mercies that are given to us that, that have both taken, uh, have given us things we didn't have and taken away from us things that we would have had. By the way, the Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. I want to remind you, it's who our God is. It's who our God is. A songwriter wrote, he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. It's because he is merciful and gracious. I want to name a few of those things that are given to us in the book of Romans that would lay the groundwork where he could say, I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That he's laid that foundation and he can get to this verse and say, this is what you need to do based on what I've told you about the mercies of God. Just let me name a few things that have come up in this book. We find in chapter 1 and verse 5 that he gives us grace. We find in chapter 5 and verse 1 that he gives us peace. We find in Romans 2, 4 that he gives us goodness and forbearance and long-suffering. We find in Romans 3, 24 that he gives us justification and redemption. In Romans chapter 4 and verses 5 and 6, he gives us righteousness. In Romans 3, 25, he gives us the remission of sins. In Romans 8, 35 through 39, he gives us a love from which we cannot be separated from. In Romans 8, 9, he gives us the spirit of Christ. You begin to see there's a lot of stuff in here that he gives to us in our salvation. There's some things also that he's taken away in Romans chapter 4 and verse 7, he's taken away our sin. In Romans 3, 19, he's taken away our guilt and our condemnation. Do we not love Romans 8, 1? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He's taken away the wage of sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So based upon all that we have received by the mercies of God and based upon all that he's taken away from us by the mercies of God, it is reasonable for God to expect that we give ourselves to him completely, completely. The Christian life is not about what you get. It's about what you give. It's about what you give. We get into the Christian life, it's a gift of God. But now it's not about what you get, it's about what you give. He doesn't want part of you, he wants all of you. The psalmist asked this question in the 116th Psalm. What shall I render unto the Lord for all, for all of his benefits toward me? You know, what do I give God? He has given me so much. That's an awesome question. You know, have you ever come to that question in your heart and in your life? I believe Romans 12, 1 and 2, the, the impact is to get us to that point. What do I give God? He's given me so much. The mercies of God have provided so many blessings for me. What do I render to God for all 
that he's given to me. I have grace and peace and goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, justification, redemption, righteousness, remission of sins. I have a love that cannot be separated. I have the Spirit of God dwelling in me. Hey, he's taken away my sin and my guilt and my misery and my condemnation. So Paul is answering that question, what shall we render? Because of the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Give him your all. Some of us are good at giving him our Sunday mornings. But that's not, that's not what he's looking for. He wants your all. Give him your all. The word service, by the way, comes from a Greek word that is translated as worship. Worship. God wants a worship from us in which we give ourselves completely to him. Wow. Would not our so-called worship change if we gave our all to the Lord? If we gave him everything? If we were all in on serving him, on worshiping him? So he wants our bodies then to be presented to him holy. Holy. Wow. The word holy is the purity and separation from sin that God is. 1 Peter 1, we find that we're commanded to be holy because he is holy. We're commanded to be holy because he is holy. It says, because we have with he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. There's nothing you and I can do to skirt our way around that command of God. He's telling every one of us to be holy. To be holy. That's, that's an important thing that we get that. Well, preacher, I can't be holy. I'm, you know, who I am. Wait, wait a minute. Where does our holiness come from? We're to be vessels that are meet for the master's use. In 2 Timothy 2.21, it says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, some purging that has to take place, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. When I think about that, I think about playing ball. Played a lot of baseball in my life. You know what? I never was one who wanted, who was just content to sit on the bench. Thank the Lord I didn't have to do that a whole lot. When I was in the 11th grade, I, I was a catcher on the high school baseball team. But there was a guy who was in the 12th grade. He was like twice my size and about three times as good as I was. So you know what I did? I sat the bench almost the entire year. Man, I hated that. You know why? Because I wanted to be in the game. You know? I wanted to be used. I wanted to be part of what's going on, you know. I wanted the master, if you think about it, I wanted the coach to use me, to put me in. So I'll tell you what, if somebody needed to coach first base, I was out there coaching first base. If the guy was batting and he had taken off all of his catching equipment, I was out there warming up the pitcher. I was doing whatever I could because I wanted to be as involved as I possibly could. I should translate that much more into my Christian life. I want to be a vessel that's used. I want to be used of God. I want when God says, hey, I've got a job to be done, I want God to look at me and say, yeah, I'll use you. I don't want God to look at me and say, eh, can't use that one. I want to be meat fit for the master's use. 
You know what? It's going to have to get cause us. We talked about some of these things in Sunday school. We're going to have to get serious about 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, we're invited into this fellowship with God. But you can't come into fellowship with God while you're hanging on to your sin, while you're hiding your sin. You have to come to the light. And you know what light does? Light reveals things for what they are, how they are. When we come to the light, if we walk with him in the light, that in that fellowship, he cleanses us from our sin. You can't come to that fellowship and say, well, I have no sin. The Bible says that. Then it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, the purging that needs to be done in our life is not something we accomplish in ourselves. It's something we come to him for. He's the one that purges us from our sin. That incorruptible blood of Jesus keeps on cleansing us from our sin. And according to Hebrews 12, that blood is seated there upon the mercy seat of heaven, still speaking better things for us, keeping us cleansed. Before you decide presenting your bodies a living sacrifice is too hard. I mean, you know, a lot of Christians will look and say, well, we've got these missionaries coming and we expect that they've presented their bodies a living sacrifice. Oh, we're thankful that there's somebody who's willing to go to Germany. We're thankful that there's somebody who's willing to go to other places to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, those are the people, right? that have to give their whole selves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. I wonder if the Lord would be willing to use some people who who are wholly given to him right here in Sioux Falls. Do you think that God expects more out of a missionary than he does out of a member of Eastside Baptist Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Does God have a double standard? He's called all of us. And you know what he says? It's your reasonable service. It's your reasonable service. Don't minimize. Don't forget all those mercies that he's provided for you. Grace and peace and forbearance and long-suffering and justification and redemption and righteousness and remission of sins and a love that cannot be separated and the Spirit of God dwelling in us and, and to have our sins forgiven, to have it taken away, our guilt and our condemnation. It's reasonable for us to give him our lives. Romans 6, 19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, so even now yield your members as servants to righteousness unto holiness. We have to yield our lives to God. It's to give the right of way. Now, I know, I'm I'm from the older generation when we used to study the handbook before we took, you know, the, the test before they would give us, you know, a license. So we kind of had to know the rules. And we knew what a yield sign was. I know that today, most people believe yield sign means hurry up and get ahead of that other person. Right? But it actually means, you know, let that other person have the right of way. And in our lives, we need to let God have the right of way of our life. If I let God do that, he would send me to Africa. 
So what if he did? Hasn't he earned the right? Hasn't he earned the right to do whatever he wants to do with you? Wow. We have to give him our bodies in holiness. And in a holiness that the Bible says is acceptable to him. Uh, you ever heard this phrase? That's good enough. That's good enough. I, I, I think we need to be careful in thinking that, eh, that's good enough for God. Because our God is not as yielding. God, our God is not as flexible as a lot of people try to say that he is. Right? What, what might be good enough for you and me would likely not be good enough for God. He deserves everything. God's not interested in your soul only. He wants your body. And in light of his mercies, it's very reasonable that we give that to him. And please understand, he's not asking you to manufacture holiness in your life. If you've been saved for any time at all like I have, I know in my own life I've tried to make me holy. And I wholly failed. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I cannot make me holy. I have to come to him and let him make me holy. Because my holiness is no good. His holiness is perfect. I need what he has. So I have to come to him and let him do that work in me. It's amazing how much the Christian life is about us just trusting God. Coming to him and letting him do with us what he desires to do. We get into verse 2 of this great passage. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to stop thinking the way the world does. We need to stop letting the world conform the way we think. Wow, it's amazing how, how we let certain things just get into our are thinking and you know we, we are fighting some battles today as Christians I mean you know they're redefining what a family is and there's a lot of Christians that just go along yeah that's okay it's you know what just as long as they don't bother me it's okay no I mean really you think about it there's a lot of uh, of stuff that's going on they're trying to shape our thinking we need to conform our thinking to that which pleases God. We have to learn to think godly. Think differently than we did in the old life. How we think will decide what we do with our bodies. Did you know that? A lot of you, I say a lot of you, I say a lot of Christians, that's what I should say. A lot of Christians never really go very far in their Christian life because they never really deal with what's going on in their minds. Somehow they think we can just go ahead and think whatever we want to think in our minds. And it's just not that way. We have to conform our thinking away from the world. It needs to be transformed. Transformed means it needs to be changed. You know? And sometimes we put braces on our kids. Why? Because we want to transform their teeth, right? They, they, we, they need some things. And I'm telling you, there's some transformation that needs to be put on our minds. Our minds need to be renewed, needs pro reprogramming so that our bodies would be acceptable for God's service. So what do we use to reprogram ourselves? 
I mean, you know, is there a book out there? Is there something we can use to reprogram our thinking? Well, there is a book. There is a book. It's called The Truth. It is the truth. It's amazing how truth corrects wrong thinking. Somebody asked me today if I was a 49er fan because I'm from the Bay Area. Well, I, I was born in that area. I live in that area. So unfortunately, that's what I am. I'm, I'm stuck with Bay Area teams, right? Okay. And, uh, and stuff. And so and when it comes to baseball, a lot of times I've ha I have two favorite teams, the Giants and whoever's playing the Dodgers. So uh, they lost last night. So that's a blessing. But anyway. So and I'm watching a game. I watch with my heart. I want my team to win. I'm content for them to win by like 30, 40 points. It's fine with me. I'm amazed at how the officials are always against my team. Their first response is to make a call against my team. And I watch the same play, and I'm going, no, that's not right, that's wrong. Well, now they have replay. So, I, I oh, no, 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 there's no way. And then they show the replay, and I go, oh. I got my thinking corrected by the truth. By the truth. Sometimes the truth is they were against my team. It's obvious, but anyway, that's another story. But hey, truth corrects wrong thinking. Christians, do we understand? One of the problems with us surrendering our lives is we aren't getting our thinking corrected and we're not going to the source that corrects thinking. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. We need to get it in our hearts. It's amazing how the Bible told us this. Deuteronomy 6.6 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. The heart is where we think and conclude and all those things, it's in our heart. Deuteronomy 11, 18. Therefore shall you lay up these words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may, as be, may be as frontlets before your eyes. Deuteronomy 32, 46. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do all the words of this law. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Psalm 119 verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Wow, we cannot ignore this book and, and think we're going to think correctly. We have to take this in. You know, we need to have some thinking about missions corrected. You know? Missions, first of all, is part of the commission of this church. When the Lord gave the great commission, he called his apostles. You know what the apostles were? They were the first church. They were the first church. He gave that commission to the local church. 
Therefore, we believe in this situation, it falls upon Eastside Baptist Church, it falls upon Calvary Baptist Church, where I pastor, that we have the responsibility to carry out the Great Commission. We have that responsibility. And we should understand, it is the heart of God. What you're talking about this week is very close to the heart of God because it is what God wants. God wants all men everywhere to be saved. The Bible tells us that. All men everywhere. You know what? Your missionary can't go to the wrong place. Every God wants everyone to be saved. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hmm. God's provided salvation for all. For all. Wow. So we need to do our part for the heart of God. When it boils down to it, we just need to give him our all. We need to give him our all. Might be some parents here this morning say, yeah, I'd like to give God my all, as long as that doesn't include him taking one of my children to the mission field. You need to correct your thinking. There's probably some other parents that say, I'd, I'd, I'd give anything. I don't care where my kids would be as long as they were in the will of God. That's what we want. They, we, need, we should want more than anything else that our children be in the will of God. Perhaps today you realize God wants more of you than you have been giving to him. We need to get that right. He wants your whole spirit, soul, and body. Listen to the prayer, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps you thought you were doing good enough, but maybe it was for you. But it may fall short of what God wants from you. Some of us today probably need to correct our thinking. There's people, when I was in Bible college, the, uh, the president of our Bible college was known for preaching a message about missions. It was all about missions when we were in Bible college. I mean, it really was. We, we, we heard it all the time. But he would, he would talk about there's three types of missionaries. There's the go missionary, there's the co-missionary, and there's the oh, another missionary. He would preach that. Because that's the way a lot of us get in our independent fundamental Baptist churches. Oh, another missionary. We should be going missionaries, all of us. And we should be co-missionaries. We should be working together. Isn't that awesome that you get to partner with people taking the gospel around the world? That God takes whatever it is that you can give. It may be some great amount. It may be a little. But you get, you get to participate in it. And God takes that and puts a man and his family someplace. And people get saved there. God lets you participate. Did you know God didn't have to use, it, use us this way? It's another of the mercies of God that he lets us be a part. Let's us be a part. Hmm. Will you give yourself to him today? This morning, if you're here and you say, well, I'll preach your eye. I really don't know about all this spiritual stuff. I'm trying to find what I need in my life. Well, what you need is Jesus Christ. 
those mercies that he's provided for you, the things that he gives through, to you through salvation. You see what you need to be saved from is your sins. That's the problem between you and God. You will never get anywhere with God as long as you have that sin problem. And the only way you can take care of it is to bring it to him. Come to him confessing your sin. Calling him Lord. Asking him to be your savior. And he will save you. That's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. And then once that you're saved, you realize, hey, I'm so thankful that I'm saved. I want to give him my all. I just want to live for him. That's where we should be. Are you there, Christian? Oh, I've been saved a long time. I kind of got over all of that. Yeah, that's the the problem. Some of us are not excited anymore about being saved. We should be thankful for all he has done for us. We need to give him all that we are. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Why? Because you've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. So listen again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Have you done that? Do you need to do it again today? Let's have our heads bowed this morning as we prepare for this time of invitation, giving you the opportunity to respond to the Lord today. Has he spoken to you? If he is, then you need to respond to him. Maybe he's speaking to you about the matter of salvation. There's someone here that would be glad to take the word of God today and show you how to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, how to repent of your sins. Someone would be glad to do that. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.